Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you are encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from Pastor Kevin Miller. Hey, if you brought a Bible, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, grab your smartphone, go to Bible.com, and you can follow along. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is where we are today. And uh, this is week 10 of a message series we're calling Grace to You and Peace. If you're not aware, right now as a church, we're reading one chapter a day through the New Testament. And um, right now, as we're we're reading through the letters of Paul, every Sunday during this series, whatever whatever is on the reading plan in the morning gets taught at church that day. So uh, the topic that we're teaching on is, has been predetermined for a year because we knew that we'd be reading through Paul's letters at this time of the year. So if it feels like I've been reading your journal and I'm preaching straight into your life, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. Okay. He set it up. He wants to speak to you today. Um, and so it, grace to you and peace is what we, we've called this a field guide for faith. I mean, if there's anybody that I want to learn how to follow Jesus from, it's Paul the Apostle. Uh, what, what, a, what a man of God. And, um, and so today, and, and by the way, uh, I, I haven't taught for a month now. I taught last in the middle of September. And can we just thank God for the amazing teachers that have taught over the last few weeks? Pastor Nate, AJ, Pastor Brian last Sunday. I mean, just knocked it out of the park, all three of those guys. And I'm thankful that even while I'm taking a breather and not preaching, that you know, listen, you know, it's never been about the messenger who's on the platform. The, the messenger and the method is always going to change, but you can rest assured that the message stays the same. No matter who's on this platform, we're going to open up God's word and we're going to unapologetically proclaim it from the Bible. Amen? Amen? You can trust that when you come here to awaken. And so I, find, I pray that you find this to be what you need um, today. Now, it was interesting because last time I taught, uh, I started by asking a question. I said, hey, if you're bringing a friend for the first time, what's the topic you want me to avoid? And the first question that they yelled out was money, right? Like, don't talk about money in church. So I talked about money um, last month. And then, the, so the funny thing was, so I said, what, okay, what's another topic? Somebody goes, sex. So I'm talking about sex today, all right? First Thessalonians. <laughs> I, I didn't pick this. This is where we are today in our Bible reading. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Speaking of sex, by the way, parents, if you're wondering, where's this going? Should I cover my kids' ears? Should I leave the room, turn off? No, stop. Listen, our culture's talking about it everywhere. It's in every music video. It's scribbled on the bathroom walls. We are not going to allow our culture to direct a God-given gift. We're going to talk about it, right? Now, rest assured, nothing's explicit today. I've taught through the book of Song of Solomon multiple times. We're experiencing a baby boom, all right? Where this is church is a, a very biblical, be fruitful and multiply church, all right? That has a time and a place. Today, though, is, uh, is, is something different that I think you'll see from 1 Thessalonians 4, God's call, invitation to a life of purity. Now, on the topic of sex, it's funny, um, a few years ago, we, uh, I forget why this was, but we had some, some friends that were bringing over a meal for our family. So they, they brought us a meal, and I remember specifically they brought us a cake, because come on, 
cake. Amen. Can I get an amen for cake? All right. So this, the, our, the friend of ours walked in the door with this cake, and I was like, man, that cake looks good. And I remember she, she said, yeah, well, this cake, do you know what this cake is? And I was like, no, it looks like a chocolate cake. She goes, no, this is a BTS cake. And I was like, BTS, like the Korean pop band? Like, I don't see their picture. I'm like, what do you mean BTS cake? She's like, You've never, you guys have never heard of this? It's a better than sex cake. I was like, I was like what's going to happen to us when we eat this? Should we send the kids to their rooms while we eat the cake? Like, what is gonna? What could possibly be baked into a better than sex cake? So I think you could understand that I had very high expectations for this cake, and I remember eating the cake and thinking, I mean, this is good and all, but maybe we need to have a conversation with our friends. Because I don't know, maybe they're maybe they need some counseling, or maybe you know, like better than sex. My gosh, that is quite the claim. Um, so I thought, well, that would actually be a fitting title for today's message. Write it down: better than sex. Write it down. Come on. And you're wondering, where is this headed? What is better than sex? Here it is. What's better than sex in our context today is a sex life that honors God. Now, let me, let me be clear on this. Sexual purity is not a sexless life. It's a sanctified life. And I'm going to define that today. Paul is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read the first eight verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to hear some commands that the Apostle Paul has for the people living in this ancient city of Thessalonica, which, by the way, was a first century Roman culture deep into sexual immorality. So this would, some of these commands are very foreign to a culture that is deep into sexual immorality. But let's be honest, we're the same today as Americans. We're not far removed from this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you received, as you received from us, how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. Now, if you read this this morning, uh, that phrase, do so more and more, I read it a couple times in, throughout this chapter. And it, I, I just wrote down in, in my Bible, it's a good reminder to me, that although these, these Christians in Thessalonica were doing these things already, Paul says, continue to do them more and more. I, it was a good personal reminder to me that there's never a time in our relationship with Jesus that we have arrived or achieved. There's always room for growth. You with me on that? Well, so whatever you're doing in obedience, good, just as you're doing, do so more and more. Keep going. Verse 2. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Here it is. Here's our focus. Verse 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. 
which, by the way, is the thing that sets us apart. We know God. Those who don't yet know Jesus don't have the same power and perspective that we have. We're called to a different life. Verse 6, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Which, by the way, I'm holding extra tight to that last verse today because if you don't like what I have to say, your problem is not with me, it's with God, okay? So I want to just start by saying that whoever disregards this disregards not man, not a pastor, not your boyfriend, but disregards God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now, I've got four things that I want you to jot down. We'll get to those in a moment, but I want to zero in to begin with on a phrase in verse 3. It's a rare phrase used in the Bible. It says in verse 3, this is the will of God. Now, why is this phrase so important? Well, there, there are a few things we know about God's will that are specific to every person's life. This would be, we would call this God's general will. Jesus said, when asked what was the most important commandment, he said the first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he said the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, if you fulfill these, all of the law and prophets hang on these. In in other words, he's saying, you perfectly fulfill all of the commandments and law if you just love God and love people. Now, obviously, the bar is high for that. But we know that that is a specific for every person that God has created, and specifically in our context, those who are followers of Jesus, we're called to love God and love people. We know that. But there are also a few specific things throughout the Bible that it specifically says, this is God's will for your life. Now, that's important because there's a lot of people wondering what God's will is for their life. We talked a little bit about this last week. Pastor Brian was here, and he asked the question, who who wants to know God's will for your life? And that was part of the Apostle Paul's prayer for the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter 1, and we talked all about that. But, but if you want to know God's will for your life, then you should especially pay attention to the parts of the scripture where it says, this is the will of God, right? Now listen, there's only three times in all of the pages of scripture that it specifically says, this is the will of God. I want to walk you through this. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Watch this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus for you. Giving thanks in everything. He doesn't say for everything, in everything. That's God's will for your life. How about 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15? For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. God wants us to live a life of obedience and integrity. And now we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So I think it's pretty clear right there. 
there are a lot of specifics about God's will for your life that I don't know that you're going to continue to, to need to, to pray and seek the Lord for. There are a lot of specifics about God's will for my life that are different than God's will for your life. But I can tell you for sure three things that I know 100% in black and white are God's will for your life. Here it is. This is the will of God, that your life would be one of gratitude, integrity, and sexual purity. Now, those are so foundational that I would tell you this. Don't expect God to give you any further instruction until you're faithful with those three things. Are you living a life of gratitude, integrity, and sexual purity? Because if you're not, you know, I, I, I meet plenty of people who are not in not obeying God in the basic instructions he's already giving them, but they're asking God for something else. Like, how entitled are we to think that we could disregard something God has already said in black and white and then ask him for further instruction? No, I would not expect anything further from God until we are willing to abide by the things he's written in very clear black and white. Now, I'm not talking about perfection. What I'm talking about is a heart that is repentant and humble and constantly going back to the Lord. Repentance, by the way, we we sang about this in this last song. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, Romans 2.4. Repentance is not just saying sorry for what you did and continuing to do it. Repentance is a turning action. I used to be going that way, but I repented of it and I'm going this way. I turned away from my sin. That's the idea. You're not perfect. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about progress. We're talking about repentance, humility, turning from what we know is wrong and honoring God in the way that we live. Okay, so I I also want to state as we dive into this, that in no way am I trying to communicate any, any type of condemnation from God to any of us. I pray today that I'm able to communicate this in a way where the, the, the sternness is felt because this is an important, heavy reminder. But also, I pray that you sense the compassion of our loving God calling you out of something that will destroy you if you let it. God's called us to a better life, better than sex, sanctification. Four things. Would you jot these down? Number one, since God designed sex, God directs sex. Now, I'll say it again. If you failed in this area, there's forgiveness. I hope you hear this loud and clear. I am in no way saying that we need to, that, that God is condemning us or angry at us. I hope you hear loud and clear. There's forgiveness when there's a a repentant heart. But we're turning to God because he designed sex, and so he gets to direct it. I mean, how off would we be if God is the designer of sex, but we allow culture to direct it? But yet, so so many of us are tempted to do that or are allowing that to happen. Because although God has designed sex and gifted that for within the confines of marriage, our culture in many ways has hijacked and perverted it. And so God, by default, as the designer of sex, is also the director of sex. He gave the gift of sex, and now it's our job to manage 
that gift by God's standards, not our own desires. And so this is what Paul is, is talking about here. Now, again, you know, he's, he's giving these commands to a first century Roman culture that was in, deep into sexual immorality, cult prostitution, the full embrace of homosexuality, and uh, everything that goes with all of those, those types of lifestyles. And um, We're not, we're, come on, let's be honest, we're not far removed or at all removed, really, from that. You know, statistics tell us that $3 million is spent on online pornography every single second. $3 million a second. Online pornography. This is the the world that we live in. It's at our fingertips. Um, I mean, how about just the full cultural embrace of of so many things that are the opposite of what God wants? I mean, not to mention things that are illegal, like sex trafficking. But there's more slaves today than ever before. The full cultural embrace of homosexuality. Listen, if, if if that's the thing for you and you struggle with same-sex attraction, or you're in a, a same-sex relationship or something like that, you have friends, listen, th- this, this is the same, I, I never, we never want to elevate one sin over the other. Christians, come on, let's, let's be honest, we're, we're bad at this. For some reason, homosexuality in the eyes of Christians has become like a worse sin than other sins. Can I just remind you, all sin separates us from God. There's not one that's better or one that's worse. So heterosexual Christians, listen to me closely. Don't condemn another person because they sin differently than you do. But there's just this full cultural embrace of homosexuality and pornography. Marriage and gender lack all definition anymore. We've taken things that God gifted us and we've tried to strip them of, of their definition. And there's a, I mean, everything from sex before marriage, which is what the Bible would call fornication, or once you're married, pushing the boundaries of sex with someone who's not your spouse. We would call that adultery. We could go down the list, and, and, and I, don't, I don't need to tell you all of the things that are everywhere in our culture, but sexual, this phrase, sexual immorality, encompasses all of that. In fact, interestingly, that, wor- that phrase, sexual immorality, in the original language is one Greek word. It's the Greek word porneia. You might be able to, get, to guess the English word we derive from that Greek word, porneia. And it, it's a wide, encompassing word that just basically means anything sexual outside of the heterosexual marriage covenant. And if it's anything outside of that, the Bible says that falls within what the Bible would call sexual immorality, and it is to be abstained from. So listen closely. God designed sex for within marriage to be honorable and pleasurable. Anything outside of that is detrimental. Which leads to our second thought. Would you write this down? God wants to protect from harm, not prevent our fun. Come on, we serve a good God who has wired us for pleasure. 
but he puts rules in, in place to protect us. Verse 6 gives us one of a few reasons that God warns us. It says that the Lord is an avenger in all these things. Now, that, that word avenger sound, may sound a little scary when we're talking about God. And somebody's like, I thought you said God was loving and kind. I mean, that does, that's not what that sounds like. All this is is a reminder of the justice of God. God is a just God. And we're thankful for that, honestly. We sing in many songs about the holiness of God. The Bible talks in the end of Revelation, the angels around the throne of God are, are crying out, holy, holy, holy. We're thankful. We worship God because he is holy. But listen, the only way God can be holy is if he's also just. If sin isn't punished and he just pretends it didn't happen, God is no longer just, meaning God is no longer holy. I mean, put it in our American context. If there's a judge who just one day is letting criminals go because he's in a good mood, that judge is not just. He should not have that job. God cannot be just. God cannot be holy if he's not just. Now, try to fool everybody else. And some of you, for years of my life, I fooled a lot of people living a life of sexual immorality. Some of you have gotten really good at covering your tracks, living a separate life, doing things on your own or with somebody who you're not married to. Fool everybody else, but listen, nothing gets past the all-seeing eyes of God. Forgiveness, if we're talking about God's justice here, the forgiveness of sin does not mean, mean the removal of its consequences. And there are some of us who have made decisions to fulfill the to gratify the, the pleasures of our of our flesh that will have long lasting consequences. Let me just remind you the consequence doesn't mean God doesn't love you. That's a repercussion of a decision that we made. But even in that, I hope that you hear there's forgiveness for every failure you've ever committed. The grace of Jesus Christ. We read it, Psalm 103. He doesn't, he doesn't treat us according to our sins. As far as the east is from the west, he has separated us from our, our sins. Through Jesus, there, there is hope. And so we're wired for pleasure. I hope, you, I hope you understand that if God didn't want us to have fun or feel pleasure, he wouldn't have built our bodies the way that he did. He wants us to experience pleasure, and God's rules are in place to protect that, to protect us, and to help us experience God, God and, and the, the pleasure that he's built us with to its fullest capacity. Here's a third thought. Write this down. We live in the world, but we're called to stand out. Uh, the, one of the words that we're looking at right here is sanctification. Sanctification actually has the same root word as the words holy and sanctuary. Think about a sanctuary. A sanctuary is a consecrated, set-apart place for worship. So what this is telling us here 
and, and tying this in with some of Paul's words to the, first, to, the, to the Corinthian church, he said, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. This reminds us that our, our bodies are sanctuaries. They are set apart, consecrated as a place, a way to worship. And so this is a good reminder to us that sexual decisions are actually spiritual decisions. When, when we make a sexual decision, we are acting on who we worship. I mean, think about the way that our, our culture is. Our culture worships sex as God. But the Bible tells us that we can actually worship God by the honorable use of the gift of sex. It's... It's designed, it's, it, ha- it has a, a context and a placement for it. And verse 7 tells us that God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. I love this, because God is not just sitting there waiting for us to figure out how to use the gift. He's called us out of a life of impurity to a life of holiness. I hope you hear me say this today, that God is not trying to prevent your fun. He's trying to help you experience it to the highest level. And the best way he can do that is say, hey, listen, these are the guardrails. If you'll stay within the guardrails, it'll be the best it can be. But outside of that, it's dangerous. It will hurt you. God loves you too much to let you just go do whatever you want. And, and we, th- we, we have this idea of like, like, you know how it is if you have a little kid in your house that, that thinks they can just make all the rules, right? And you're like, no, listen, I love you too much to let you do that. No, you can't jump off the banister. No, you can't do that. I love you too much for that. I know it sounds like fun. Broken legs aren't that much fun. They're really not. I know that the traffic out there, four lanes of it, looks like a lot of fun. I know you've played the game Frogger, and you think, Crossy Road, you think you can make it all. No, listen, you don't want to do that. I love you too much to let you do that. So we set up boundaries because we're loving parents. And we, we, we got to, listen, it's not because we want to prevent their fun. It's because we want to protect them and help them experience life to its fullest. That's the same father that we have, but completely pure in motives. Unlike us, even as flawed parents, we know how to take care of our kids. And our perfect, holy, heavenly father also knows how to take care of us. Now, for somebody who's thinking, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's cool and all, but I failed. And, you know, I just, I, I don't know if I could really do that or I don't even know. Maybe you're not even convinced this is for you. <laughs> well, then don't read verse 4. <laughs> that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Well, there it is. There you are. There I am. Each one of us. Well, surely that means, it means exactly what it says. It's for every single one of us as followers of Jesus. For each one of you, this is what we're called to. Not for, this is not for an elite few. It's for every follower of Jesus. Here's a fourth thought. Would you write this down? Through Jesus, we are hardwired for holiness. God has put inside of us the ability to pull this off. And he gives us the why of holiness at the very end of verse 8. 
He reminds us that God has given his Holy Spirit to us. Why live a life of holiness? Because God has put the Holy Spirit inside of us. Think about the walking, talking, breathing, spiritual contradiction we are when we have the Holy Spirit in us and we're living a life of unholiness. We're we're called to something so much bigger and so much better. The Holy Spirit is not only our purpose for holiness, but he is our power for holiness. He's our power. He's he's empowered us. We are hardwired for holiness. We're called out of. We we live in the world, but we're called to stand out of it. And so we are hardwired for holiness, but that doesn't mean there won't be some malfunctions along the way. That's not the Holy Spirit's fault. That's us as we gratify our own desires. But listen, here's the big principle today. For every malfunction, there is mercy. Come on, can we say thank you for that? Thank you, thank you to God for that, that in the middle of whatever we face, no matter our failure, there is forgiveness for the repentant heart. First John 1 John 1.9, when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us from those sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James 5.16, when we confess our sins to one another, there's healing in that confession. So this is for each one of us. Now, Sex is a pleasing, a a God-honoring, pleasurable gift given for within the confines of marriage. It's a gift. Speaking of gifts, here's a scary number. 68 days till Christmas. (laughs) Hobby Lobby's been celebrating since March, but you got to be ready. I brought a gift, actually. So let's think about this. Christmas is coming. I want you to think about yourself as a, as a gift giver. You, you save up and you sacrifice. And you put a couple paychecks away because you're really excited to buy this person in your life a really great gift. So, so just imagine if you're on the giving end of a gift and you go, I've been waiting so long to give you this gift. I'm so excited for you to have this. And so you watch as, as you hand over. I gave so much for this. Here it is. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. This, is, uh, this looks amazing. In fact, you know, I was thinking about this. This is actually perfect, the size of this, because I actually need to change a light bulb. And so thank you so much for this gift. Look at this perfect height. I can actually, oh, well, um, that wasn't exactly what I thought. It didn't work so great as a stepladder. What's up with that? You're like, well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't buy you a stepladder. I bought you a, I bought you a gift. Like I put a lot. Do, do you see what this does? When we receive the gift, we actually honor the giver of the gift by using the gift in its appropriate way. But we dishonor the giver of the gift when we receive the gift and use it for something entirely different than its intended purpose. This is a visual of our, of our culture's use of sex. It is a God-given gift that he wired us with. And we took it and we go, ah, I want to do my own thing with it. 
oh, I've got ideas for that gift. And we threw it on the ground, and we just kind of did whatever we wanted with God's gift. And we turned it into whatever we wanted it to be. And we trampled it. Listen, I hope that you're hearing me say today, this is not condemnation. This is me saying, God has given us a gift. Let's honor the giver of the gift by using the gift appropriately. So listen, let me speak to two crowds of people listening to this message today. People joining us online, watching at a watch party, all across the campus, two groups of people. First of all, those who know Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. That tells me that if you have turned from sin and turned to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You are called out of a life of impurity to a life of honor and holiness. So let God speak to you here in this moment, as uncomfortable as it is, and tell you what are they. Listen, you already know. The moment I said we're talking about sex today, Somebody, some of you got very uncomfortable because you're like, I did not, I did not want to talk about this. This, I know, listen, you, you've been trying to hide something for a long time in your life. The Holy Spirit loves you too much to let you just keep that buried. You know what I've found? This is so great. When you, when you have a trusted group of friends around you and you're able to talk about what's going on in your life, you know what I've found? The devil wants to lie to you and tell you you're the only one who does that. You're the only one that's locked in that sin. You, be, you better shut up about it because nobody else does that. You're the only pervert who thinks that way, does that thing. You better, you better be quiet. You know what I found? There's a lot more people hurting than you thought. And when I speak up about my own failures... Not only do I find freedom, I give somebody else the boldness to speak up about theirs, and they find freedom. And we get to begin to redeem the the failure and the hurt and the pain that has been caused in our lives. So Christian, listen, if you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you, you need to allow God to speak to you right now about whatever you're doing, whatever you've embraced as part of who you are. Well, this is just always what I've done. I guess I'm addicted. I guess I'm just going to, this will always be how it is. I'll never find true love. I guess I'll just bounce around other, right? Like stop with all the lies and just let God speak to you right now. What are you accessing online that you shouldn't be? What are you doing with the boyfriend or girlfriend that you shouldn't be? Are there boundaries you've pushed with someone that you're not married to that you need to immediately cut off? Whatever it is, fill in the blank. You know what it is. I don't know what it is. You know what it is. God sees it. And here's the best news of all of it. He's not angry at you for it. He loves you right in the middle of it. Come on, this is our God. His kindness leads us to repentance. You're not turning to a God with folded arms, it goes, it's about time. You're turning to the father in Luke 15, who's running to the prodigal. Arms open. He loves you so much. Turn from it. It's poison. The devil wants you in that. Not today. We take a stand today, Christian.
You've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. He is your purpose and He is your power. Now listen, let me speak to the other crowd. You don't know Jesus yet? You need to hear this. Listen closely. You are not your sexual orientation. You are not your sexual addiction. You are a soul in need of salvation. You are not whatever label culture has put on you. Old, young, whatever relationship status you're in, single, dating, engaged, married, widowed, a letter our culture has attached to you because of your lifestyle, L, G, B, T, Q. Listen, no, you are defined by none of that. You are defined by your need for Jesus. And he loves you too much to let you just do whatever you want to do. He's calling, listen, he's calling you. He's inviting you to a better life. And I I get so passionate about this. Because I spent way too long of my life in this world trying to pretend I was one person and live in a, a lie behind the scenes. The best thing that ever happened to me was when I got caught in my sin half of my life ago when I was 18. It's the most humiliating, life changing moment that turned everything around, I could finally speak up because I was caught. And it changed my life because I I couldn't hide any longer. God is telling you today, stop hiding. There's a life of freedom in front of you. I can tell you, whatever sacrifice God's called you to make, it's worth the price. God's will for your life is sanctification. It's in black and white. I'm going to pray right now that God would Change your life, and I'm praying that it would be the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.